from his like looks department. Although he is God. dreamy, dreamy Trudeau, <laughs> right? Uh, He's a goddamn looker. And but, his hair, that hair. Like, look at that hair. <laughs> but in all honesty, he's just not ready. His, <laughs> his. Uh, That's because he's getting his hair ready. Welcome to another episode of Hobby Night in Canada. I'm your host, Tom, and with me as always are... Dan. Ward. Mike. <laughs> Steve. Okay, what are you Ward. balancing on your face, Ward? <laughs> the Jump Master 5000. Okay, we'll talk about that. Oh my god. Okay. Um, that was well, a little weird. <laughs> that might have been a new record for derailing. <laughs> Just how quickly it happens. That's what I do. So let's jump into actual content. Dan, what have you done this week? You said actual content. <laughs> built some Battletech models, did a little bit of painting on Space Marines, and then tried to get some sleep. Yay! So what did you? What Space Marines were you working on? Uh, the giant, terrifying batch of tactical Marines. Not gonna, probably not gonna come close to finishing, but I'm still putting effort in. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Well, you're not even trying anymore. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so the, so the what same batch that I'm working on this very moment. <laughs> yeah. Except I don't live where we record anymore, so that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm getting rid of weathering effects, so yeah, it's fun stuff. Anyways. <laughs> You did finish also a Battletech model you posted on Facebook that I saw while I was away. Yes, that was, um, I think I mentioned I was mostly finished last episode, but I did completely finish the Locust and got the decal work done. Looked good. Posted that up and stuff and built a few more since then. Got a batch ready for, you know, some primed and stuff like that. It is Battletech, so I am opposed to it, but I I will say it did look good. Well, thank you. (laughs) Battletech always looks good. Or it falls yourself. Very false. What did you get done? Yeah, uh, you're you're correct, Tom. Uh, <laughs> I worked on some BattleTech as well. I cleaned yeah. some. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, I we've all eight. just given up. <laughs> Wait till they get to me for Steve. Oh no! You Guess who else worked on BattleTech? Holy no. shit! No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, 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 I was actually really worried because that would have been news to me. <laughs> No, I, I cleaned some models, uh, and then I also uh, was cleaning some terrain pieces as well. So that was about ooh, what terrain? Of it, so uh, some of the old fantasy terrain actually that I still had in boxes. So some of their uh, little buildings and watchtowers. So cool, oh, like the old empire scenery. Yeah, so cleaning pieces. So I've got two of the buildings and two of the towers. Cool. I actually do so. like that scenery. Surprisingly, not cool. those. I'm surprised cool. they got rid of it as fast as they did. Yeah, very because surprising. Because it might have been some of the best scenery kits that they ever made. Not enough skulls. Uh, no, I also think that it's... Well, yeah, it doesn't match the skull aesthetic of uh, Age of Sigmar. We call it skull static. <laughs> skull static. And it was kind of useless for 40k. I, I get why they got rid of it, but I did like them. They looked really cool on Fantasy Table. I mean, right now, the only thing that's out for Fantasy is, like, all the new... Four, the four Age of Sigmar pieces, right? So, I mean, they could have still kept the around. rubble. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, how else are we going to play more time? So. Yeah, I don't know. That's, well, you could just splurge and buy all the fucking... Is the graveyard gone, too, or whatever? No, they actually are still selling the Gardens okay. of the Corn. Which is nice. the only one that I didn't own, so which is good that they're still selling that one. Yeah. So. And that one's maybe one of the best kits you can yeah. buy from Alpha. Actually, yeah. Oh, that too. Yeah, very true. So, uh, Yeah, that's it for me. All right, Tom. How about, I'm going to leave us to last. Yeah, we'll leave okay. feel like. <laughs> yeah, okay. So yeah, I, start, um, I started playing with my Wong. Nice. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, I don't understand this reference. What's what's your one? What are the characters in Malifaux? Yeah, it's uh, the Explosive oh, Solutions okay. crew box. I've started putting it together and hoping to get it painted up before going down to a Malifaux tournament in Prince George. Oh, you're going to that one? <laughs> yeah, the lovely, lovely butthole of Western Canada. Nice. I, I've seen some posts on Facebook for people looking for... Other people to split costs of gas. Yeah, so I'm going with those guys. Gotcha. Uh, going with uh, some of the other basement boys, uh, like Barnaby, Chris, and Lucas. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So we can all hang out in the city that Dad so aptly describes, smelling of bean soup and ass. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> bean oh, soup. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had a bean soup. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> that's your, like, critical point here. <laughs> what is what does bean soup smell like? Because I want to know. Well, you mix it. Well, here's the thing. Just go to Prince George. And then take out the ass smell, and then you know what bean soup smells like. Okay. <laughs> I like that. So anything else you work on? Uh, well, I moved, so that was a thing. Jeez, you move a lot. That's that's fair, though, with the job. I get, I get that. Okay, so Mike, how about yourself? Okay, what did I do? Well, uh... I am grinding the last 20 of my space marines. I am... Hey, man. <laughs> I've got the eyes to highlight. Uh, I've got some vertigus to do and decals, and I'm done. Done. That makes one done. of us. That's, that's one of us. <laughs> oh, so I'm, I'm I actually think I'll probably cool. that tomorrow. Left. Tomorrow's going to be the done day, I think. So with the last week, you can paint the, all the models for the three of us that have no chance in hell of finishing well, fuck this Fuck no. I, I t- there's a couple times I wanted to actually toss them off the balcony because I was so tired of painting <laughs> There's just something about painting Marines, 30 of them. It's a slog. It's 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 trying. Oh, and and I put together some BattleTech models. Nice. Yeah. And primed them. (laughs) Oh shit! So had I actually done BattleTech, it would have been four out of five. Four out of five. That's pretty impressive. Okay, I'm gonna put a pact in. I will assemble a BattleTech model before the next podcast. There we go. I'm gonna clean some more. I got to do. That's right. I did give you the catapult a while ago, right? Yeah. I'm still waiting for that other set to come in, which is gonna like really motivate me to get my BattleTech going. And one of these days, we will... <laughs> no, no, I swear. The first... Ward, because you're the one with the good camera, right? Yeah. The very first video battle report that Hobbit in Canada does <laughs> has to be Battletech. No! I'm so happy about life right now. I will, <laughs> I will quit the podcast. I'll just be done. This will become a Battletech podcast and I'm out. <laughs> that upsets me greatly. Didn't you do, do one already? What? Battle report? No, we just took some practice video. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we haven't actually edited anything together. We've been, we've talked about it. Okay. But so I you feel- finished up. Before, just as a side note, you did some battle tech. Anything else? And I uh, got all uh, a bunch of. Uh, I got the new uh, Zombicide Medieval uh, oh, nice. box game. So oh. uh, all the main characters are primed, and some of the base coats are done. Have you painted up all the other Zombicide games? No, there's a lot. That's what I thought. <laughs> which which board game? Which? You worked in a board game where you finished all the characters. That would be Dungeon a Super Dungeon, Dungeon Explorer. Super Dungeon Explorer, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we, should play, we should play another game. Though. We should play another game. That, that is good. That'll be our second video battle report. I'd be okay with that one. Uh, myself, I also am working on finishing up the last 20 Battle-tech? Marines. Oh. No, none of that. I was actually gone for a week to California, so I only had, I had less than a week of hobby time. Just going to say this. And I still think I got more done than you guys. Because I also finished up... Basing my Castellan robots, got them on there, finished up the last bit of airbrushing on them, uh, and I'm going to hopefully have my 20 Marines with shoulder pads and backpacks on bases tonight, which means I will have 30 boulders to do, <laughs> which kind of sucks. And that sounds like fun. 
Then uh, this weekend, with the long weekend, I think all I have left to do is my Terminators oh, and the two cool. characters in the Contemptor. So the only thing that I'm worried about finishing is the two characters in Contemptor. I might. I, I might, did them. I don't have to. Yeah, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I might have to do the. I finish most of Vulcan, so only do one character <laughs> and the Contemptor, and I'll, I'll be happy with that. We'll see. It's gonna be. It's gonna be tight. Okay. Uh, so that's man. It's hilarious how. We could probably just copy and paste most of the This Week in Hobbies of, like, Dan and Ward did basically nothing. <laughs> Mike did, oh my god, I can't believe how much Mike did. <laughs> Steve painted a shit ton of 40k, and I toyed with some Malifaux. Yeah, we could probably just, yeah, just record like, one session and then just, like, dub in episode line. two. <laughs> <laughs> Steve painted. We could just have, like, the, the section where you just, like, lip sync over top, like, Eldar. <laughs> Next week, <laughs> Space Marines. <laughs> and mine could really just be, so I painted up the, another Gremlin uh, starter box. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we could just keep playing that over. Oh, speaking of which, I want to jump right into Shut Up and Take My Money. Okay. And, surprise, surprise... Gremlins from Alpha. What? <laughs> wow. I didn't think you liked those, Tom. Oh, uh, man. Okay, but I do want to take a second and talk about something that, that Weird is doing that is really fucking cool. So, for a lot of their secondary releases um, that aren't a main crew box, they'll do what are, like, story encounters. So, you'll get a handful of models that all thematically tie in together. So, yeah. what, they release a bunch of rat models for Hamlin. Um, and they've got one coming out for the Gremlins. Infinity does that too, kind of thing. Which is Gremlin taxidermists. Uh huh. Yeah. And a bunch of stuffed piglets. But the really cool thing that they do, on top of the models being bunched together, they release new actual story scenarios to go along with the models in the box for both Through the Breach, which is a role playing game, as well as Malifaux. So oh, that's kind of cool. And there's a bit of fluff in there too. So like you're getting that. a bunch of models that all make sense going together, but it's not an actual crew. There isn't like a master and a peon and, and their minions. It's just kind of cool models that go together. And every time it, it's released, they're giving a new, fun, and exciting way to play the game. And they're not all one-versus-one games. Some of them are, uh, like, three-player games or four-player games. And so they're constantly giving you new and exciting ways to play the game while buying sweet-ass models. That's cool. I have a question for you, actually, that I, I saw but I wasn't sure about. What are these foils that are going on? Are those only going to the henchmen and crew yeah. and stuff? Okay, that's fine. They get, they get something for doing the work. That's cool. I was just curious about it. It's like, oh, that's kind of cool. I would like, no, that's a lot of work. Although it's hard to say exactly if it's just going to be for henchmen because they do also, as part of their new um, like prize support kits, have mystery boxes. Oh, okay. Which is like total random shit in there. You have no idea what it is. And my first mystery box event is going to be the one in, in Prince George. Cool. But uh, the main reason it's for Shut Up and Take My Money is it's their Easter weekend sale. So they've got the Easter-specific models that they release. They release a new one every year for some reason. They just love Easter. <laughs> so you can also buy the okay. War you can buy the War Rabbit again, which was last year's release. Uh -huh. And they've got a Tortoise and the Hare story encounter box that's only available <laughs> at Easter that is also being released. Right. That is weird. As <laughs> Yeah. As well as basically every Gremlin not released yet is coming out, and I get to buy them all at once. So that's not going to cost you much money at all? Um, I priced it out for the Gremlins alone. It is 115 US. So... 600 Canadian. But, <laughs> they, but they've also got... <laughs> Give or take. The, the Spawn Mother and Gups, which, I use for, which I'll be using for Zoraida as another story encounter box, which is another 45 bucks. 
And yeah, it's it's <laughs> the order's going to end up being probably around 200 bucks US. Sounds pretty reasonable. Will you get bonuses? I will get free models for that. None of which for my faction, but... Which ones? Uh, they've got an alternate um, wastrel, like a female wastrel model. Okay. Which are basically just like the people walking around with suits and canes and shit. Okay. And a, <clears throat> a witchling handler. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Which looks like a really cool one. Do you? Okay. I want the, Yeah. It's yours. <laughs> All right, I'm going to jump in next for Shut Up and Take My Money, because I actually am kind of stoked for starting up my Harlequins again, and I have no idea why, because <laughs> they're still really bad. And Did you up his medication again? Yeah, I don't know. There might be something in, in the water, but uh, while I was gone, I was kind of like, you know what would be really cool? Actually finishing up that Harlequin army, like getting a full mass going, uh, which would mean I need to pick up I think just one more uh, box of Harlequins and one more of the Void Weaver, the special heavy support thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I actually could do a full Harlequin army. I was thinking that, maybe the Corpse Thief Claw, and I could I could do an 1850 list. It would be kind of fun. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Eldar, who would have guessed? Yeah, I know. Well, it's a different type <laughs> of Eldar. They're clown Eldar. <laughs> different. They have real clown features. <laughs> they have real Steve's clown. full clown mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I some I watched that Tim and Eric awesome show, uh, Clown Outlet thing. That's maybe exactly where I got. You love our clowns. The number one the rule: never touch the clowns. Let the clowns touch you. Exactly. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> Anyways, that's my should have to take my money. It's probably going to be another couple boxes of Harlequins. Anybody well, else? Or as Mike? they say, Eldar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steve is getting L Dar. <laughs> yep. Fill in the blank this week. Mike, is it my turn for money? I I I actually just want to pick up some stuff for my drop zone on resistance. That's that's it. I just want to polish it off. I, nothing's been jumping out that I haven't already bought. Well check out the pre release <laughs> stuff for the Malifaux. Yeah, no, I'll um, before this weekend, and let me know if you want anything. Okay, I will. Head it to the order. Mm-hmm. Ward, how about yourself? Uh, I splurged this last week, and I bought myself. Who'd you a, splurge on? <laughs> I splurge your bank account. No, I bought a coil ring. And, uh, from Staples. It was, uh... Oh! <laughs> it was very nice. I'm struggling. So since you can't now, see so. it, he got his... No, no, rub <laughs> it against the mic. God damn it. I thought you were supposed to do that. That probably go. sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I bet it doesn't sound good. No, that's actually a really smart idea for the books that have questionable bindings, if you do have an old copy of them. Not even questionable bindings, but just something that's a little bit easier, like anything that's not hardcover you could essentially do. So, and you can uh, fold it over and lay it flat on the table. Like I said, in case you don't know, he, he got his drop zone rule book. Yeah, so cut I cut at the binding and then coiled. Yeah, so I took a look and just made sure that the the actual coil ring was going to be uh, sufficient uh, and not actually cover any of the writing, and it was hmm. all good. So yeah, I got the drop some commander book, um, my soft cover version because I did buy the collector's version, and that one is not going to get a coil ring on it. <laughs> that would be um, don't awesome. say. <laughs> I don't say. But I also. Uh, when Drop Fleet comes out, I've I've got two of the starter sets coming, so I'm going to do the same thing with one of those. So that way it's nice to flip flat, lay flat on the table, and I'm not going to have any problems on damage charts and that sort of thing, right? So the question I have for you then, how much was it to do that for a book? Ten bucks. Ten That's bucks. not bad. At Staples, right? So, I mean, like, if the UPS store, I think, also can do it. Um, 
not sure anything else. We don't have, like, a Kinko's at all or anything like that. But, like, some independent stores that'll do, like, the printing and that sort of Point thing. Point is, could. it's probably pretty cheap, and it's not a bad idea if yeah. you have a spare copy of a book. Yeah. So, it's, it's not the greatest shut up and take my money, so I also do have another one. Uh, I'm in the market that I'm looking for some new bases, actually, right now. So, me and Mike were talking earlier this week. Um, I'm looking to... Uh, possibly pick up some resin uh, bases for my uh, yeah my Wrath of King. So I've got two different factions there. So cool. Want to pick up some bases? So I'm looking at Dragon Forge and a couple other sites. And nice. Hopefully, gonna make some decisions shortly. You were also talking about a new a different hex base for your BattleTech models. Oh yes, uh, me and Dan were talking earlier. Uh, and the hex bases that we currently have are pretty small for some of the... Yeah, they're about 30 or 32 mil, depending on the brand, which for some of the larger mechs is not quite enough. Yeah, it looks a little bit weird with, with them standing on it. So um, Litco does hex bases. They just do it in like a MDF wood in varying thicknesses, but they have lots of different sizes. So found out that an inch and a half would fit the hexes perfectly on a mat. Okay. Uh, so I'm looking at that size. So you can go up to about 40 mil probably and still be Four, safe? 40 mil is going to be too big. Oh, is it? 30 yeah. inch and a half? Because an inch and a half would be like 30. Oh, yeah, it'd be like 30, yeah. yeah. Eight. 40 yeah. mil will so, spill yeah, over, yeah. but they, they do like quite a few different like sizes. So they have an inch and a half option and a 40 mil option. Okay. So for those of you out there that have been really concerned about what bases you're going to get for your Battletech models, the punchline <laughs> <laughs> is Litco is the place to go for all your Battletech basing needs. The punchline is go outside. <laughs> So With yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be ordering uh, bases probably sooner rather than later. So you might actually hear about what I went with uh, next shop and take my money. So that's cool. Um, yeah, so for myself, there's not a heck of a lot of miniatures that are on the uh, horizon that I'm looking to get. But one thing that's coming up for pre-order, I think in about a week, is uh, that set of secret weapon. Like weathering paints, <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like so the, the first, they? the first wave of those that uh, I believe were previewed at the LVO. The first wave goes up for pre-order, I believe, at the end of March. I don't know if they were previewed so much as somebody just had an advanced copy and we got to play with them and they're amazing. <laughs> um, so you reached a bulk order for that? Yeah, possibly. And I think there was some talk about Imaginary Wars carrying them in Calgary. Uh, they he carries a lot of stuff and he could get them in. So I'm. Yeah, cool. So we'll we'll look into some different uh, ways of yeah, getting it here. But there's um, three of them that I want for sure. So and cool. I believe Mr. Justin from uh, Secret Weapon was also saying a second wave of 15 additional colors will be ready by the summer. Oh, so really? They're going to be doubling the lineup within the first couple of months. Interesting. Okay. Lovely. I wonder what other colors he's going to use because he had like almost all the weathering sort of normal colors that you would yeah, use. Yeah, but then you could get weathering for. Well, this set colors and primaries as well. This set's so. this set's going to be more focused on the rust, right? So yeah, like the first set has a lot of rust browns, colors, reds and browns, and some purples mixed in too. So yeah, fair enough. We'll see what, yeah, the other set if it goes with that theme or something that's totally different. That'll be cool. Looking forward to that one. And one thing that I wish I could get for paints but can't. I was reading about there's some like one of those weird, stupid like top ten articles. There's one where it was like the ten weirdest pigments that are in like some museum's collection. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's there's a paint that's made out of, like, mummy wrappings. Like, they what? somehow extracted pigment from the resin in the m- wrappings of Egyptian mummies. Bet you that's cheap. So you can get, like, a tube. <laughs> well, you can't just go to a store and buy it. You pretty much have to steal it from museums at this point. But you can, you could, at one point, like, 150 years ago, it was in style to get, like, mummy wrapping brown oil paints. 
Whoa. Could you imagine painting your Tomb Kings with that shit? That would be so cool. You would have so much street cred. <laughs> street cred amongst a very specific gang. That it doesn't was, exist. It was like the very first thing I thought of when I saw that article. It was like, man, painting fucking Camry models with mummy wrapping brown colors would be so sweet. But yeah. yeah, I would have to break into some weird museum's archives to get it. So that's a little bit unlikely. A little illegal. And in the, yeah, so instead I'll probably console myself by buying another needle for my Neo, and I might order one for the HPCS at the same time. My Neo's starting to spit pretty bad no matter how much I clean it, so I'm suspecting there might be a slight deviation in the needle. You should get that I would out. not, I'd get the little uh, the cup, the brass cup that goes with it. That's what the problem is. I can almost guarantee it. It's not the needle. Okay, well, the parts aren't that expensive. No, so. get, the, get the brass cup with it. If I have to order them in, I'll probably just order both. Yeah, <laughs> I would. But easier, uh, yeah, easier. so I would, or I'd just buy another Neo because at that point, if I'm buying multiple parts, yeah, it's like twenty five bucks for the brass cup or something stupid. <laughs> yeah, maybe but, it's just time uh, for a fresh Neo. Yeah, had it for a couple of years and got a lot of mileage out of it. So. Yeah, same thing with mine. I, I had no problem with it. I got no issues with the value. Nope. And that's just it. It's a good disposable brush. Yep. So, all right, let's jump in to the next topic. Which okay, so I love and hate this. The we're going to talk about the the Wave 8 for X-Wing. Are you talking like this because it's William Shatner's birthday today? Just I as don't, a side note? No. You kind of were talking a little bit. What you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly spaced dramatic pauses. Yeah. <sighs> absolutely. Well, it's I can only honor one. Like, it's way easier to honor Shatner's birthday than it is to Rob, honor Rob Ford's death. Well, we could just smoke some crack. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> Oh god, we've we've gone we've gone a little bit a little bit off color here. <laughs> it's okay. No, no, okay. Stop it there. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on. Moving on to no. wave eight. Yes. Uh no, but the thing I'm most excited about for this has nothing to do with the model or the rules, but there's actually something in a game called Jumpmaster five thousand. <laughs> that is true. That literally is a thing. <laughs> I feel like it should be a Beastie Boys lyric. <laughs> or some sort of workout equipment. Yeah, yeah. it is totally an as seen on TV shake yeah. weight type thing. We've, oh, man. We've been over this. That is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> a little bit delayed, but okay. Uh, yeah, so we've got four new ships in Wave 8. Five if you up. want to get technical. Well, one of them's really small. One comes with the other ship. So I'm going to say four. <laughs> We're gonna go it's for four. product, for SKU codes. Yes, there you go. So so Tom's favorite, we'll talk about first, uh, the Jumpmaster 5000. So I think just looking at the model, it's probably one of the nicest paint jobs that Fantasy Flight has ever done. On one of the weirdest designs for a ship, which is admittedly not Fantasy Flight's fault. That ship design was done decades ago. It's very weird and asymmetrical, and it hurts my brain. It's a big crescent moon with an engine on one side. Yeah, so I think, without going into like crazy detail about all the different ships, could you guys summarize what the role of this ship would be in a fleet? Well, Increasing your hops. Like, is this, a, is this like a tanky ship? Is this going to be a maneuvering other guys? Well, it's kind of... It's not, based, not a maneuvering ship. It is as long as you turn left. Uh, it's like full NASCAR. Yeah. It, it literally is not an ambi-turner. Okay, wait. <laughs> this thing actually has... So it's a spaceship. Yeah. That is better at turning one direction. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because of why? Because <laughs> it's weirdly asymmetrical with the thrusters not being in the middle. And it looks There's no dragon space. Does any... Has, 
And I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop right there. <laughs> yeah, apparently the designers had a lot of arguments with the people on the design team that actually understand physics about how to actually make this whole thing work. But okay. ultimately they just designed or decided to go for a design that is, in game terms, very unique. No other ship has an asymmetrical maneuvering dial. So this one, for example, like when it's turning left, it can do like white-ass loops, has lots of white and green turns and banks and everything, whereas turning right, it's got more white and red than uh, white and green. Okay, so that's kind of interesting. So it's a little bit more predictable in, in some ways? direction that it'll turn if he has stress that he needs yeah. to shed and all that good stuff, right? So And it's also the first large ship to have, um, it has the salvaged astromech symbol on it as well as a crew slot. As well as having a tech slot and like illicit slot and multiple torpedoes, all so the pilots have elite pilot it. talents. It's insanely flexible for its upgrades. You can do a million different um, builds for it, and ultimately, it's a turret ship that has okay. a decent, um, like a pretty good maneuver dial, decent survivability. Um, it has barrel roll built into its profile. Like it's just, it occupies a design space that no other ship does. Yeah. That sounds super weird. Actually. And is highly, highly upgradable and just, you can do all kinds of weird things with it. Like it has Dengar who's like the, he's actually probably the best pilot for it. Whereas once per round, when you shoot at him, he can shoot back at you. Oh, like he gets just straight up like overwatch. Similar. Yeah. It's once per round after defending, if the attacker is inside your firing arc, you may perform an attack against that ship. That is his ability. And he's got a turret. And, but you have to, the ship is still firing firing at you has to be inside your firing arc. Yeah. So a turret doesn't give you a 360 firing arc. Oh, okay. It lets you fire outside your firing arc. So you have to be like in front of the ship for it to fire back at you. Okay. Wait just a second. So it says you may perform an attack at the ship that attacked you or just an attack against the ship that attacked you. Okay. Because <laughs> I was gonna say, if it was just you can perform an attack, that's ridiculous on a turret ship. Like yeah. just shoot behind you. <laughs> Potentially, so. though, it's gonna be like two shots against that same ship. And yep, right. So and it, and if he buys torpedoes or whatever, you can make that free attack with a torpedo without even a target lock. Well, you would still have to have a target okay. lock. It would still gotcha. have to be a legal attack. But yeah, yeah that uh, makes sense. Yeah, you get an opportunity to do just all kinds of crazy stuff on him. Really interesting builds. Dengar is also the first um, scum p- skill nine pilot. So, like, okay. matching your Han Solo and uh, your Darth Vader, that sort of a thing. That's pretty cool. And uh, apparently Boba Fett was the best man at Dengar's wedding. So what else do you need to know? <laughs> really? Uh, apparently. It's a little tacky, but I like it. Some people at store championships are talking about that. So <laughs> apparently that's a thing that happened. <laughs> that's a little weird. But, no, so there's there's lots of really cool, um, lots of really cool design features for that shape. It's very unique. And even the basic version of the um, the ship, the contracted scout, is 25 points. So you could theoretically cram a whole bunch of them into a list naked, or you could upgrade them and take three full of upgrades and torpedoes and all kinds of other crazy shit and have like an alpha strike list. Seems to be there's a lot of different build concepts for this so ship. So if it's only 25 points, how many hull points does it have? And shields? Seven. Or sorry, five hull, four shields. Yeah, so it's so got that's not bad. So it's got two for the two for the firepower value on the turret, the unique title for the ship is 12 points, and it gives you firepower 3 for your turret. And that's got, yeah, 2 agility, 5 hull, 4 shield, with focus, target lock, and barrel roll. So it's, I think it's probably the coolest ship out of the bunch. It has tons of potential, comes with all kinds of cool, unique upgrades. Um, I think it's, I just think it's one of the most interesting ones for sure. Okay. I've, I've already heard people looking for more than one of these ships to, to take. I think it's definitely the most spammable of the new current ships from Wave 8. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. And aside from the weird design, it is a great looking paint job and 
Yeah, it is probably, we were talking about this earlier, it's probably one of the best paint jobs for any of the ships in X-Wing. Where it's got, like, the basic, um, you know, couple of different colors and the washes and all the rest of it, but it has, like, lots of weathering effects on it, including almost, like, a like series of, like, spiderwebby cracks along the hull painted on. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Like, it has, by far, probably the most uh, detailed paint job from the X-Wing line, which... If you're not going to paint it yourself, you might as well have a good-looking model straight out of the box. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Or at least a good-looking paint job. Yep. <laughs> okay, yeah, so I wouldn't call that a great-looking design, but it's, it, yeah, definitely a very good paint job. Something unique. Yeah, so the next one, the Mist Hunter. Mist Hunter. So that is another obscure scum and villainy ship. Uh, yeah, in case we missed it, uh, Dengar and the Jumpmaster is a scum and villainy only ship. And uh, as is the Mist Hunter here, which is the ship for Forlom and Zuckus, two of the more... <laughs> Even more obscure uh, bounty hunters standing around in the background of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, I do know. I do remember Zakus. He was the well, he was the insect looking thing. Right? Yeah, he's the little gand. Yeah, and then yeah, there's yeah, the yeah. weird robot guy. Forlorn. I don't remember forlorn. Forlorn. Lom. Lom. L O M. Oh, Lom. I do remember that one. Yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> uh, he's like the cyborg looking guy, right? Yeah, with yeah. kind of like a weird bug yeah. head or something. Yeah. But um, so how again, the hell do you guys know this? Because Star Wars is life. Yeah, dude. Come on, get serious here. <laughs> even even my wife knows this. I was more of a Trekkie. That's yeah. that's actually totally okay by me. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think I, it's a pretty unique ship. It's got the uh, the most firepower, uh, or not the most firepower, but uh, it's got decent firepower for the the type of ship that I. Yeah, think it's it actually is, so. very comparable to a B wing. In yeah, really? it's got uh, three firepower, one agility, four hull, four shield, um, as a small ship with um, focus, target lock, and evade. Actually. Huh. Which is kind of unique. And similar to the Jumpmaster, it has some really cool gear that it brings to the table. It can, um, it brings the illicit uh, cloaking device. Oh, really? Which, so any scum ships are the only ones that can take it. It's yep. unique. So you can only have one in your list. But you can kind of build like an illegal black market cloaking device into some of your scum lists. And it's kind of neat because it has a chance of misfiring and stopping. Like at the end of the turn, you roll a dice and on a focus, it stops working. <laughs> really? But it's the same cloaking effect as the Phantom? Yeah. yeah. Okay, gotcha. If you cloak and decloak, uh, it won't affect you, but if you stay cloaked, then there's a chance that's going to screw up on you. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. so that's that's pretty neat, and stuff like the uh, the Star Viper, the Scum Fire Sprays, the Z95s, like, you can put some weird yep. combinations together that weren't possible before. That's got some people excited. It also comes with a tractor beam. Really? Which is the other card that a lot of people are kind of losing their mind over. It's very weird. It's very cheap. It's a utility, like, one-point cannon upgrade. Okay. It lets you push around other ships. So small ships, if you hit it, it does no damage, but you you can force that ship to do a barrel roll, like, onto an obstacle. You can't push them off the table. That's been FAQ'd or whatever that's in the rules. Okay. You can't force them off the playing surface and auto-kill them, but you could force a small ship out of position... So that, like, it's going to run into an asteroid next turn, or just push a ship so another one of your ships can fire at it. I like that. That's into, not nearly into, as deadly as the attack wing tractor arcs. beam. Tractor beam and then magma cutter. Oh, yeah, the board combo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. That's nice that they've made it a little more and uh, I, useful, but not game-breaking. And I believe if you have, um, if you've been hit with a tractor beam for the rest of the turn, I think you're minus one agility as well. So, well, like, nothing kind of too cool. crazy, but it definitely gives uh, minus a little Minus one bit. to a minimum one, or minus I think one to just zero um, I haven't looked in, in that sort of detail just yet. I didn't use it at um, the store championships the other day, and no one else did, to my knowledge. Because gotcha. so. I'm interested not, if that stacks, too, because then you could do some really cool stuff like lockdown type. Yeah, I think, I think it was only minus one agility regardless of how many times you mm. get hit with the tractor beam. That's but probably good. Either way, it seems to be like for a really cheap investment, it's an interesting utility upgrade, and 
if you take the special version of the Mist Hunter, like the actual Mist Hunter um, title, you must take the tractor beam on that ship, even though it normally can't equip it. Mm. So you have to take it. It's kind of a, apparently it's part of like the canon for what that ship is supposed to come with and all that sort of a thing. But otherwise the ship is very much like a B-Wing. It's got, yeah, the same system upgrade, the illicit upgrade that the scum get. Uh, it can take crew without having to take the modification that the B-Wing has to take to get crew. Mm-hmm. So it occupies a pretty similar design space. The only thing is, oh, and the other thing too is the Mist Hunter title allows that ship to barrel roll where it normally can't. <coughs> Gotcha. So yeah, it's a pretty interesting ship. I don't know if it's as spammable as the other ones. Some people are looking to buy multiples of it just to get... Um, well, it comes with some cool crew cards, but a lot of people want it just for multiples of that tractor beam. That makes sense. I can see that. Because if one is good, then multiple is better. Yeah, usually. <laughs> it's It's got a weird spoiler on it. I'm it not, does have the Canadian tire aluminum spoiler thing yeah. going on. Which I kind of like, to be honest. Yeah, really? it does look kind of cool. Is, <laughs> it, is it supposed to be like a tie wing on the side of that thing? Is that the idea? It almost looks like it's got the same sort of... Solar panel, yeah. whatever Solar you panel call it. recharge yeah. abilities. I, I don't hate this design. I actually, I kind of like it. It looks to me a little bit like an attack helicopter. Mm-hmm. I oh, kind of get it. There we go. There we uh, go. I can see a little bit of hind gunship in there. Yeah, exactly. Right, uh, especially with like the curved canopy kind of thing. So I, I actually think this is the the coolest design out of the all the way based stuff. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm liking that one. Gotcha. Miss Hunter for Steve. Yep. Crazy. Right on. All right, so let's move on to the rebel ship. The, the ghost. The CX100. The big block of. The Plastic. brick, <laughs> yeah, it is a massive ship. Uh, when I actually you take massive met, ships when I <laughs> <laughs> only after tacos sometimes. Oh, sometimes. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, oh. But yeah, like when I first like picked it up, I was like, "Holy crap, that's like massive!" And it still comes on the large ship base, which with a unique peg. Yeah, they had to come up with some like unique mounting system for it to not fall apart when you try to mount it to the base. <laughs> really? Yeah, it has its own like unique clear plastic mounting bracket type thing so it doesn't fall apart. So there's okay, your pegs normally, weird. and it's like a, it's like a prong. It's like held up with three. So it's interesting. I opened yeah. it. and I was like, oh, okay. But it's one of those ships where prong and peg. Apparently, they really struggled to work it into the game. Hey, Mike's the one making the dirty jokes this time. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I don't, that wasn't actually even that dirty at all. We just all of us were like pegging, <laughs> like talking about pegging, pronged and pegged. I don't know, I don't know if he knows of pegging. Yeah, no, sh- <laughs> I feel like he just kind of fluked into that one. It was way dirtier than I thought it was. But yeah, so I guess this ship um, they really struggled to make it work in standard X-wing because it's so big that it almost lends itself to epic. Mm-hmm. Like it just it simply is by far the largest ship in standard X-wing lists right yeah. now. I've seen some art. Uh, I've seen some artwork where it's like attached to the side of like the uh, the Corellian the Corellian frigate, and I'm just like, yeah. wow. It is not much smaller. No. <laughs> um, no, but what what's the Imperial ship? That's the the huge standard play one. Uh, I cannot think of the name. Oh, the of Decimator. It. The Decimator. It can't be that much bigger than the Decimator. It. It's a, like the Decimator is, was the biggest ship in the game previously. Is and this, this one, one actually bigger? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Really? It's yeah. wider, way wider for sure. Okay. It's okay. a lot thicker as well. It's, it's got it's girth. It's got, got more girth. girth. Way more it's girth. girth. Yeah. More girth. <laughs> yeah, rebels have girth, so. Okay, so what's its role in the game? Is it a uh, typical big ship tank kind of thing? Oh, or has it got something it's cool? A ta- it's a tank. It's a bit of a brick shit house, that one. <laughs> so what's, what's the number four, of hit points? Four attacks, it cannot evade. And it's got uh, ten hull and six shields. Okay. Whoa. Yep. So. And it carries a little um, docked um, shuttle in the back. 
that uh, you can upgrade and take the little attack shuttle, which you can then launch and detach later in the game. And it's kind of like a mini X-wing with like crew slots and upgrades and turrets and so it's a little bit kinds of crazy shit. In some ways, it's similar to Bosk's ship, except instead of the is, it, you can actually launch it without being destroyed. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. You use the uh, the flight pegs at the end of your base and do yeah. the guide from that. That's does it eject from the rear of the ship? Uh, rear or the front? I believe. Oh, I thought it was just rear. That's pretty versatile. They so. might have specified that this ship only launches from the rear, but uh, previously the docking rules, you can choose the front or the back of the base. Mm. So you just select a maneuver off the dial of the ship that's being launched. Yeah, ward. And then you just like zip out there and you get your action, but you you can't fire on the turn that you get launched. Yeah. So it's not like completely OP, but yeah, I think that's the exact same thing as Bosk actually. Uh, pretty similar, except instead of a little tiny Z ninety five that shoots out of it, uh, it's shooting an attack shuttle that has. It's pretty similar to a Z95, I guess, in some ways, except it has Firepower 3 and a turret slot. So oh, you can, really? And a crew slot, so you can do a lot more in terms of upgrading it. Interesting. And while it's attached to the main ship, uh, the main ship can, like, it can fire its primary weapon out of its rear auxiliary arc, which is, yeah. again, Firepower 4, so normally it's not a turret ship, but it has a turret upgrade, so you can, like, buy an ion cannon turret or yeah. something like that. But anyway, so the the ghost as well, while the shuttle's docked to it, you can fire its turret upgrade at the end of the turn, like after all of your other shots are resolved and everything. So That's it's super weird. very weird rules-wise, but it's actually not overwhelmingly expensive. Having zero agility kind of keeps its cost down. Okay. Because if you can catch it and put some fire into it, like despite all that uh, beefy hull points and everything, it will go down. Just hmm. because it's it's not because you're, you're landing every single shot, pretty yeah. much. Inle- except unless you're like shooting through asteroids or yeah. stuff like that, long but range kind of thing. Yeah, range yeah, for sure. That makes sense. The other unique thing I think about this uh, this kit is there's only one unnamed pilot. Uh, everything else, like if you take the attack shuttle, it's all named pilots. Because yeah, in the in the show, the Star Wars Rebels show, the uh, attack shuttle thing is like a custom upgrade to the ship, so the generic versions won't have it. Gotcha. So all of the shuttle pilots are um, are the named characters from the show, but there is a generic VCX one hundred. Mm-hmm. So How many points is that one? Just the dirt cheap uh, one. Thirty five. That's not bad, especially for that many hit points. And it's got a lot of different upgrades. Right? I'm glad like, they priced it at thirty five though, because getting three in that list could be a little bit like grindy. You yeah. have to put a lot of damage out to put down three of them. They're usually pretty careful about that in terms of um, like multiples. So for competitive play, like when the X wing came out, it was twenty one points, not twenty. So you can't take five. Yeah, that makes like sense. they wanted to force you to take some upgrades and characters and make it a little bit more characterful yeah. like in the movies, right? Like you want the yeah. named pilots yeah, makes versus sense. just having faceless TIE fighters. So. Now I will say with this one, I think this is the ugliest of all the ships that ha- they've done in a while. And I'm also a little worried about this, setting a little bit of a precedence that they're not going, uh, they're going back in time into the Rebels uh, stuff, which I really hope that they don't get desperate to release new stuff and go into prequel, prequel territory. territory. Yeah. That's my concern with this. Is also the paint job. I think is also we were talking about this earlier. Is not that strong. Yeah, it's the color scheme from the show is not amazing. So it's kind of like basic, basic flat gray, but with like very bright splashes of color. But they also did the oil wash on this. <clears throat> they do in all their ships. It usually looks pretty good, but you can see the streaks on this, and it's going the wrong direction. It's like they For wiped it off that. towards the front. <laughs> yeah, there's, you know what there's I mean. Some, there's or maybe some. it was just flying backwards. You never know. Yeah, like it just doesn't look like it's got the normal sort of speed remember, streaks. Remember, no drag, Steve. There's no drag, but you're right. You're entirely right. But from a paint job standpoint, that kind of no. But weird. here's the thing: there is no drag in outer space. But when they when are landing, when there's a collision, it does yeah. cause streaking in that direction. But these ships do fly into planets. 
Yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. Onto planets, not into planets. Well, it depends <laughs> on how bad of a pilot you are. <laughs> I fly into planets a lot. Okay, so, <laughs> but in all honesty, there is going to be a point where they do have to go to the older public stuff. <sighs> a lot uh, of it too will depend on. For my money, it'll depend on how many fucking new ship designs are in Episode Nine. Oh, how about eight? Or if, if they do uh, Rogue One, that sort of a yeah. Thing. Rogue One will be interesting because they're gonna have a lot of cool Bothan. Stuff. Well, and there will be the Han, the Han Solo movie and the Boba Fett movie. There is no shortage of new material coming yeah. from Star Wars because Disney is like, you know what? Billions of dollars are good. We should have more yeah, billions but that's, of dollars. That's not the that's not a problem coming up in the future. But those movies don't come out for a while, and they're yearly. It comes out yearly. There's going to be a Star Wars movie every year. That's yeah, I know, but they still have probably one more wave this year. What I don't know what they're going to do. Mm. Did they release every ship from the Episode Seven? Yeah, but the ships from Episode Seven though were not. Uh, they were mostly like ties and was, was, They didn't do like the crazy tweaks, shuttle yeah, or anything. Of, uh, and the crazy like shuttle is, is going to be a big ship, I think. Yeah, no, it might again. It might be an epic ship because it. Yeah. It's hard to judge from the scale, but yeah. it looked bigger than the regular shuttle. Yeah, and you just know they're going to release that ship that gets exploded. Are you talking about Kylo Ren ship? Yes. Okay. No, I don't know what it's called. There's the one that they're going to before the Falcon that gets that explodes. They're totally going to do that uh. one. Could do that one, so yeah. I mean, like, with oh, yeah, when they're like, we should take don't this ship, <laughs> boom! It's like, don't take that one, it's shitty, go to this other one, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. And you talk about, yeah, yeah, sorry, I guess, spoiler alert. <laughs> no, if you, if, you listen to this podcast, if you listen to this podcast and you've not seen Star Wars, shame on you. If you haven't seen Star Wars, I don't care about you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just go ahead and unlike us on Facebook, but uh, <laughs> okay, uh, moving on, and another one looks like a little tie, and then the last one is the Inquisitor in a tie advantage. Prototype. So yeah, he's one of the villains from Star Wars Rebels. And, <laughs> yeah, uh, he has the basically it's a prototype version of Darth Vader's um, Tie Advanced from Episode Four. I like it how it's still in primer gray. It's it's a little bit more stubby than your Advance. Um, it's got similar designs though. Just just and its solar panels bit. are inside out, so they're even. They make even less sense. I actually really like this design <laughs> from just the way it looks, but you're, you're totally right. Like this makes no sense. Like, the angle of incidence for these solar panels just is beyond ridiculous. Yeah, maybe, no, the OCD part is, needs to maybe, the, the maybe the cockpit so. of the spaceship is a, literally a star, so it catches all of its own energy and recycles Ooh, it. <laughs> or it's just maybe. a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> yeah, This could just be the wave where they just found all of the designs that really were not good. <laughs> and just release them at once. They're like, we'll just do it right now. Just Get hammer it, it out. Done with. No, but what I like about this like one, a band-aid. Though, peel it off, is yeah. the bracing on the back of the uh, the normal like tie capsule that has those spindly little arms that come out with the solar panels. Yep. This one's got like that speed bracing. I don't know what what you want to call it. Yeah, I'm gonna call it speed bracing. Speed <laughs> bracing, <laughs> like speed cool. holes. It's kind of like speed holes. <laughs> <Good blinders>. <laughs> <laughs> what you doing, speed holes? <clears throat> okay, so um, what? does the Inquisitor do that's going to be different from another TIE Advanced? Um, so, as for a... Uh, uh, basically, it's it's another TIE, right? So, it's <laughs> so nothing! Nothing, nothing really. It's got two shields. It's got less hull. It's only got two hull uh, compared to a regular TIE. So, uh, it's like the NHL. They only got two. It's it's an advanced prototype. What do you want from it? So yeah, it's got two firepower, three agility, two hull, two shields, uh, focus, target lock, barrel roll, and boost. So it's kind of a mix of all the different Imperial abilities. It's actually got a very different maneuver dial from most as well. It's one of the only 
you know, reasonably fast Imperial ships that has the uh, the one banks. Oh, really? So it can do hard turns and banks at speed one. They're all green. Yeah, oh, okay. the, the low speeds it excels at, which is different from your regular ties, which have to start cruising at like speed two or do hard ones and turn and become out of arc or. Huh. But it can also do all of the banks and turns at speed two and three. It can go speed five. Um, it's straight three. Sorry, it's straight two, three, and four are all green. Really, so it can go fast. But it's, it's got a green four. That's kind of interesting. Yeah, so it's one of the only imperial ships that can go slow and fast. Huh. Like most of the ties really struggle to go slow, and one of the only things missing from its maneuver down is it doesn't have the fancy like S loops or um, what's the other one? The weird Talon rolls. Uh, oh, yeah. So it just has a it has yeah. a single um, K turn at four. So it's not like doesn't have the crazy turnaround abilities, but the other cool thing about it too is it has um, a title that where when you do a target lock, you get a free evade. Huh. So it has like built-in action economy right there because you're kind of crazy to take it and not take the title. It makes sense. Makes sense. How many points is that title? Yeah, the, the title is one point. Yeah. So you oh would. wow. So is it unique title? Um, no. So you could you could do you could have multiple, but it's but it is specific to like the tie prototype, not the regular tie advance. They yeah. can't cross over their titles. Makes sense. They're completely different ships design wise and build obviously so yeah yeah but timeline uh, and timeline (laughs) all that good stuff but uh for me the main thing about uh this set is it comes with a new type of missile which i think for epic play more than anything might be like really handy where similar to the tractor beam it's kind of a utility weapon where if you hit with this homing missile or sorry what is it called the uh ah guidance ships nope um, S-Thread Tracers, which is a one-point missile. That sounds awesome. Where it's uh, three... I like that title, S-Thread three, Tracers. Three attack dice at range one or two, and if you hit the defender, then all friendly ships within range one... To, is it one to two? Sorry. It's so range one to three on the attack, and if you hit your defender, it does no damage, but all friendly ships within range one and two of you gain a target lock on that ship you just shot. No. So, so, so it, it can... It up. It's like a it's marker, like a marker light. light. Yeah. yeah. So if you're taking, like... If you're taking one of these uh, advanced prototypes leading, like, a squad of TIE bombers in Epic, yeah, you can, like, tag... Oh, there's a CR-90 Corvette over there. Everybody has a target lock. Yeah, so you tag it, tag it with one of those missiles, and then your entire bomber wing gets free target locks to unleash all their ordnance and just nuke a ship. That's pretty cool. Like so that. it's an interesting force multiplier. They seem to be really working hard to find ways to make ordnance better in the game, whether it's... Um, that's again, actually true. totally fair because ordnance it's, is so shit. It's fairly overpriced relative to cannons. It's one use only ultimately, and because there's already existing a whole bunch of existing upgrades, like they don't want to retcon all the old cards, so they're finding ways to make all of the ordnance better rather yeah. than just releasing new ones that are better than the old ones. I think they should almost start releasing new ones that are better than the old ones, though, because they're the way they're <laughs> trying to release the stuff to kind of fix the old stuff where it's inherently broken, like. One-shot-only stuff does not have enough of a reward for the risk of paying the points for it to do nothing and then not being able to use it. And we're also not done yet, too. There's the a modification that comes in this set. It is a zero-point guidance chip upgrade. Okay. Where uh, once per round when attacking with a torpedo or a missile, you can change one die result to a hit. And if your primary weapon value is three or higher, you can change any result to a crit instead. So it's a zero-point upgrade So they basically makes all disposable better. weapons better. Yeah. That makes sense. So, because a regular proton torpedo is what damage three, uh, four. four, four dice, and you can turn one eyeball to a crit. So you can immediately, uh, you can immediately take one of those misses with this upgrade, mm-hmm. turn it right to another hit and crit it because it's over four. So that makes yeah, you can see. Well, that it's your it primary better. weapon attack that lets you turn it into. A crit, oh, so. okay. So, so it's if like an, a good ship. so if an X wing 
which with Firepower 3 is yep. firing a torpedo, yep. it would um, get more of a bonus out of this card than a Y-Wing, which is Firepower 2. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, gotcha. But so they're def- And that's the other argument, too, is ships that have better guns built in, why would they take torpedoes and stuff, which are yeah. barely better? Yeah, I can see that being a huge, uh, hugely useful upgrade for a zero-point upgrade for anybody taking any sort of weapons. Yeah, yeah so they're... And uh, one of the future sl- um, upgrades as well coming in the... They're doing another Imperial Aces kit that has bombers and defenders, yeah. and it's coming with long-range sensors, which lets you get target locks from beyond range 3, but then once you're inside range 3, you can't get target locks. So you're like ah, cool. opposite calibrated sensors, so you can target lock in the first turn and then alpha strike somebody, but then you'd really struggle to get target locks again later. That makes so sense. So they're really coming up with all these ways to completely change the way the old torpedoes work, the old missiles work, to make them better, and by the time all these releases come out, you might actually see some legitimate ordnance-based lists, and there's already some people fear-mongering on the internet with Jumpmaster lists full of torpedoes, because with all those <laughs> upgrades they can take, they can... Basically just alpha strike a ship off the board in the first turn. See, I kind of like that because I think that's what torpedo should do is you should yeah. sort of sh- acquire a lock early on and then fire it, let it home in on your target while you're dogfighting. You know, have that. If you played X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, that's the way it worked. You grabbed your lock, you fired your concussion missiles, and then you hoped your concussion missile would hit or force them to do something stupid, and then you'd shoot them with, with your blasters. So I kind of like that. And I think one of the things that's really interesting here is... Eventually, there's going to be a second edition of this game. Assuming this follows... I don't know. Well, but, it's, like, hear me out. Like, it is a, it's not really fana- Fantasy Flight's MO to do that, although at some point, they might be forced to. Yeah. Well, because it is... Well, they already do have the second starter set. That's it's got I a new rulebook, but it didn't invalidate any of the old content. Yeah, but if yeah. you look at it this way, this this style of upgrade allows them to play with rules that interact with previous upgrades and items yeah. and, and abilities to kind of almost test drive maybe changes they could yeah. make in a second edition. Because yeah. if we're viewing this as a miniature game, which I feel like we're pretty comfortable doing instead of just a board game. It is literally called X-Wing Miniatures Game. Yeah, right? I, I'm there. <laughs> I still don't like the fact that the models come pre-painted, but I don't need another game where I have to paint shit, right. so I'm good with it. <laughs> but every single miniature game that's been successful has had a second edition at some point. Yeah. This Especially is, with releases. That this, is, this is a little different, though, because this... Isn't I, I still don't think it's a traditional miniatures game. Anyways, we're kind of digressing. Yeah, it's a bit of a digression. But I think there's a possibility that this style of upgrades gives them a great opportunity to test drive. Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I actually abilities. agree with that. I'd agree with that. So whether or not they actually do it, who knows, but it's a good opportunity. Yeah, fair enough. So I guess speaking of other great things that Fantasy Flight's doing, uh, they've done some changes to their yearly events. Yeah, so I'm still not... That's a great segue into, <laughs> into period two. I, I do like my second period. <laughs> it's always a little easier than the first. <laughs> yeah, that's just awkward. <laughs> Anyways, uh, organized play. Uh, yeah, so this one might be a little bit of a shorter segment, but uh, Fantasy Flight in the last couple of weeks has announced that they're going to be changing up the way they're doing their world championships. Instead of running one crazy weekend with every game system that they produce in November, they're actually going to be splitting it up into two tracks for 2017. So they're basically doing... Star Wars, all the Star Wars games in uh, May, first week of May, obvious reasons, May the 4th. Yeah, of course. So they're going to be, whatever May the 4th is, which I think this year is actually midweek, hilariously enough, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> or, sorry, for 2017. Uh, but, yeah, they're actually going to be switching up and uh, breaking up their world structure. So once worlds are done this November for all their game systems, you know, concurrently, 
then spring of next year, they're going to be doing the Star Wars Worlds in May, and then they'll have their um, some of their other games like the like Netrunner Game of Thrones Warhammer 40k card game that's or Conquest I think it's called. Yep. yep. That sort of a thing. So they're going to be splitting it up, which is actually pretty cool because realistically, if you played multiple different game systems, the World's Weekend was freaking crazy. Like to begin with, it's it's in Minnesota, so pretty <laughs> much the only reason you're going to try and be there is to play these games. But because their events were like the X-Wing, for example, the the waves, um, the different waves of the tournament were eight rounds in a single day. That's yeah, that's a bit much. And if you lost in the first uh, the first flight, you could um, like retry for like pool B or whatever. So if you tried to get in the second day, you're playing 16 games of X-Wing in two days and then making the cut to like the final 16 or final 32, I think oh. it's going to be now. Yep. So they're they're definitely making it so that the people that play multiple games, they don't have to choose which system like necessarily or try to fit into both or anything awkward like that. It's like, do you play X-Wing or Imperial Assault or Armada? Go on this one weekend. You don't have to worry about it conflicting with Netrunner. You don't have to worry about it conflicting with Game of Thrones. Just go play your games. They're allowing um, more people in each event because they're not constrained as much with the um, the physical amount of space they have in their HQ. So these flights could potentially be like like hundreds and hundreds of players at a time. For, like X-Wing in the States is going nuts. There's there's reports of store championships, like local store championship tournaments, having 100 players turn up. That is a bit ridiculous. Which is like our regionals up here last year were what, like 40 people? Yeah, I think, like so, I think so. <laughs> uh, there was 30, 34, I want to say, in Vancouver last year. So because that was the only one that I made it to. But uh, a lot of a lot of regional events are now looking at off-site venues just so they can start hosting. Yeah, renting the, the hall for the weekend because they want to have sixty-four or one twenty-eight or whatever the amount of registrations is because like you'd be crazy to turn people away. Yeah, I know this. I know this year um, Calgary is looking at that. Century Box is hosting the event, but they're looking at an off-site venue. Uh, Vancouver usually already gets it. Uh, the Wet Coast GT usually gets to, or they ran it last year at least, and they're shooting for it hopefully again this year, uh, getting the store that gets the kit to sponsor it at that point in time. Wow. So, yeah, off-site venues are, are really looking uh, positive. So uh, Saskatchewan, I know, is still going to be doing it, as far as I know, at the Dragon's Den. So, But that's Saskatchewan. There's like 14 people. <laughs> People are making trips now too for for X Wing. So yeah, I know I counted ten people traveling to Saskatchewan and four people <laughs> from there playing. You'd be surprised on how many on how many. So, but it could be a matter of time. They might have to start looking at an outside menu if they grow as big as other events, right? So, because guys might want to be thinking about how many players are actually going to go to these events and go to the the smaller ones, so to speak, uh, to play these games. So. It's it's a totally different format. I like how the world championship is going to be on May the fourth. So that's like you pretty, can't you can't argue with that. No, that's pretty. pretty that's strange. done pretty well, and it. I think what this is really really telling is just how many people are playing their games now that they're having to do this. Yeah, it is absolutely blowing up, and you know, good for them. They've got really good rule sets that are very clever. They're very engaged. They're actively balancing the meta, so you don't have. Even if there is power creep, it's retroactive to the old ships as well to keep them new and fresh and exciting. Like, up until a couple of weeks ago, everywhere you looked, there was Y-Wings. Whereas you hadn't seen them since, like, the literally the day the game came out, because they were pretty bad for the longest time. Then all of a sudden, they were blowing up in the meta again. Like, it's, it is really interesting to see, you know, the old list come back really aggressively when the right upgrade comes along. 
and everyone finds their niche and like hopefully it's not like last year at Worlds where there's one or two ships where literally no one out of like 300 players brings it because there's it's getting to that point where there's legitimate reasons to bring pretty much everything in the game now. Yeah, which is kind of awesome. So well, you, don't, you definitely don't see that very often. There's there's entire game systems where you might run a big tournament and an entire faction isn't represented. Yep. I mean, it helps when you only have three factions, but <laughs> yeah. no. But I know what you're saying. Like uh, even with um, uh, Drop Zone for, uh, at the LVO, I mean, everybody was playing PHR. Uh, there were there was, was there, a lot of PHR. Was there anybody playing Sheltari? Or, yeah. uh, yep. not no, Scourge, Scourge was the only one. I think on one day one there was Scourge, day, day two there was, was no. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's that's a balanced game system, relatively speaking, too. It's just it's kind of weird that that was the way it went. What it is is the, the PHR have a certain fighting style that is popular, as well as the way they look. So the models are the, great. The combination of the two make it yeah, a favorite pick. But like you said, it is. Scourge are actually quite terrifying to play against. Right, Ward? Oh, yeah. 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 They'll kill you. And then you end up with uh, with a game system like 40k, where there are entire factions, like my Harlequins, that are underrepresented for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's good to see that Fantasy Flight is uh, is doing well with the game balance aspect. Yeah, and I like the I like the change-ups for the schedule. So yeah, Worlds will be still November, and then they switch it up to May right away, and Store Championships happen again right away. Uh, well, that's a no-brainer. This May November, 4th, right? Come on. So, <laughs> so yeah. And one of the other little tangents as well. Just super quick note: they're actually going to be doing four of the seasonal tournament kits as well, instead of doing three out of the year. Mm. So they're going to make the full set of four seasonal kits for the OP as well. Cool. So the OP program is going to be expanding a little bit more the like the free tokens and other stuff for winning the events, which is cool. It'll, you'll have events more all year round, more spread out. So I think we can all agree that of all the companies that have been doing. Like, tournaments and organized play really well. Fantasy Flight's near the top of the list. It oh, has yeah. to be. They One of the best companies for supporting their games, for giving people formats to play their games, and having really cool prize support to go along with these kits that all the stores can use. Yep. On the flip side... I was say, where are you going with this, Tom? On the flip side, Games Workshop has arguably been the worst. Yes. Maybe, like, Battletech... Is worse than, than Games Workshop. <laughs> okay, that's only because the no, company they've run tournaments and they had like all kinds of weird pins and like collectibles and shit that people like in the last ten years. I I don't know. I can't remember. Have they been <laughs> in business? <laughs> but the last there's, 10 people, years? there's people in the Facebook groups for Battletech okay. that are desperately right. trying to get sure. pins from this tournament in like 2004 because it's the last one in the collection they don't have. Right, but officially, Games Workshop, at least in Canada, stopped <laughs> running their own sanctioned tournaments in 2005. Yeah, was right the around. last was the last conflict. Well, uh, when was the last GW onslaught? Because they ran them. I no, think the that was Ward. Ward ran onslaught. As I've always ran onslaught. But was th- was that through GW's? No, he sort of had a, I, had a hand uh, helping, right? Well, because I worked for GW at the time, I had the gotcha. resources and I made them. So. Yeah, but they they specifically <laughs> put the kibosh as a corporation on doing that sort of thing. But the yeah, reason yeah, the yeah, conflict yeah. was the last one in my mind is... 2005, because I started running in 2005. Yeah. Well, sorry, I guess that's not entirely true. They did have the Hall of Heroes trophies that you could get for a few years after that. Yeah, I was going to say they had extras in the warehouse, I'm sure, right? So. Yeah, so they did have the Hall of Heroes, but there was no formats, and nine times out of ten, they would just send you the trophies, but you had to get the face plates put on them yourself. Yeah, oh yeah. So there was nothing specified for best general, best paint. There was no standardization as to how to run your events. 
and there was no real ranking system or qualifiers or any kind of real structure. integrated structure yeah. for how you're playing those games. Uh, and I think a lot of people were shaken this week when Games Workshop announced that they on were, their Facebook pages of all things, yeah, they have those. Okay, can we can we start with that first of all? The fact that they're back on social media—that's kind of a, a shocking turnaround in my mind because I remember the days when they had the GW forums. They had the forums. They pulled the plug on those. Just too hard to maintain and too and much, people were not particularly positive. Too much feedback yeah. in a certain. We're raising the prices. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> but they have had their Facebook pages. Um, what they did for the last few years is that every Games Workshop store had a Facebook page, but Games Workshop didn't have a Facebook page. Yeah. So your local stores could stay connected with the community. And answer any questions that you might have like locally about upcoming events that that store itself is running. But um, there was no unified, cohesive <coughs> online presence from Games Workshop. Correct. Which there's still kind of... There, there is, but their pr- online presence is a little weird now because they actually have an Age of Sigmar page, a 40K page... Uh, and a Forge World page. Which is actually the old page brought back. People who were previously fans yeah. were already fans when it reemerged. Yeah. So they clearly just like deactivated the page rather than starting a new one. Did yeah. we get the Heavy Metal page back? Uh, no. No. Because that, that one was tricky where some of the staff, the Heavy Metal staff started it, which was technically against their employment agreement or something. They were yeah, running okay. like a trademark named GW related affiliated thing without permission to do it so they were actually breaking their social media policy so they had to shut it down allegedly but whatever that's a whole other tangent yeah okay uh but the fact that they're back on social media is kind of shocking to me in the first place because that that specifies sort of a new outlook and the way to interact with your community the fact that they're actually looking for a two-way uh communication stream which is is actually rather new for a lot of companies a lot of the bigger established companies in every market aren't really doing that like they don't want to hear from their customers because that's just too much noise but some of the more progressive large companies like some of the some banks like bnp i think is one of them that does this now actually will respond on twitter and this kind of thing and that's that's really weird right you wouldn't expect to like be able to tweet to rbc and get like a a legitimate response right you probably have to go through their customer uh, help sort of thing but i know if you uh do that with like service or atb they'll respond to you right like some of the smaller companies and i think it's analogous uh with gw being the large gaming company that doesn't do that whereas weird or fantasy flight fantasy flight's pretty big now isn't it they are yeah but the thing about fantasy flight is they're a large company in lots of different sectors. Okay. So even though their sales at this point are arguably greater than Games Workshop for their X-Wing games, they didn't start as a miniature company that was so massive. Yeah, and I guess maybe Fantasy Flight isn't the best example then in that case, but yeah. but companies like Drop. Private so. Your Press, yeah. Weird, Hawk. Yeah. Hawk. But these other these other games, they all have a very strong community component like on their website. Like they've all had like correct me if I'm wrong, but they all have forums. Yep. Yep. And they're all like moderated and like Yep. They develop their own forums, they encourage it, and they somehow manage to keep it like a relatively like upbeat and positive sort of an environment, yeah. whereas the GW forums were always just stop raising the prices. Well, it's also, I think, partly because those companies, again, were smaller. They, could, yeah. they, could, they had less noise to have to deal with, whereas GW had huge amounts of noise. But anyways, and some, those other companies don't raise their prices every year. Uh, yeah, but they also haven't been around as long. And they aren't publicly traded. And I guarantee you, as much as they do, will go up. 
A lot of these X-Wing ships are actually getting a little bit, just because a lot of them are physically larger. Like, the small base ships barely fit on the small bases. Ships <laughs> like the Ghost, which are fucking massive and almost too big for the game. So they are creeping up a little bit in points cost, but the models are getting, like GW, <laughs> bigger. you're getting much bigger, more centerpiece looking models. But yeah. I'm just going to look up Fantasy Flight, actually. They got bought out by Asmodee or whatever, like a big-ass European board game company, didn't they? I'm wondering if they are publicly traded. If they are, that's interesting to well, either way, what they're doing. The point is, they're interacting with their fan base again. Yes. Yes. Which is something that for probably the last, I would say, eight to ten years, they've very actively avoided. Yeah. Or point blank said they wanted nothing to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the thing that I like about this, though, is on the 40K page, the, the thing that kind of really, like, okay, they've got a Facebook page now, and people are able to comment, all right, that's that's kind of new, that's interesting. Um, but then they, they asked specifically for, for fat questions. They had a big giant splash banners with an orc on front of it looking for, um, yeah, questions for an upcoming fact, which is really weird because they haven't really done that. Um, they've sort of released these nebulous, uh, FAQs that really didn't answer a lot of Yeah, those. it was the rarely asked it, questions, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People were like, I wasn't really concerned about that. Like, yeah, I've never heard this. that asked before. <laughs> How <laughs> could this be frequent? Yeah, and it was like, well, who's coming up with these questions? And then they'd have like, ooh, look, there's new updates. And the new updates are in red. Check them out. And it'd be like, if you f- if you have an artillery crew join with a grot, do they all become grots? And you're like. This makes no sense and is unimportant, and why is this new and fancy? Like, how did they decide on this thing, right? Like, it was just really weird. So the fact that they're asking actual gamers that play the game that have questions that do arise during a game is is actually kind of shocking to me. So that's, I think, the biggest thing about this whole outlook that's that's really kind of struck me as as new and different. And I think it, it, for me, because I've got a few reservations about their their tournament system, potentially, but this is yeah. a very positive thing for me, looking at their at their communication with their fan base. Oh yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more. I think I think the fact is 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 a great step in the right direction. Like, uh, it's something that's needed. Uh, the thing that I actually am kind of surprised that they are doing because they haven't had to is an organized play system, because there's so many groups like the ETC. Uh, over in Europe that have done their own uh, comp and tournament format. Or the ITC. ITC in North America, and And now more worldwide. And so this is the one thing I kind of want to touch on, which I'm a little bit confused about, Hmm. or a little bit worried about. If they're releasing their own organized play format, there's kind of the two games they're pushing. It's Age of Sigmar, which I think everyone can agree... Regardless of how good of a game it is, it is not a tournament system. So they have to be really it careful. It sounds like they're going to introduce points values. No, they're oh, doing they, ranking. They point it's, blank said they're oh, not doing points. It's a, like a, it's oh, a tier system for like global rankings. Okay. So I'm curious how they're going to approach that. If they do more of a kind of uh, organized play in the context of uh, st- themed events, that or could work really well. Or, or campaigns for Sigma would be really good. Yeah, um, I can see that. The thing I'm kind of concerned about for 40k. They don't fucking need it, because the ITC's so good. So I'm a little bit worried. I, I wish the best-case scenario w- would be for them to actually just say, ITC, you guys did this so wonderfully. We're going to give you prize support that you can use in your events. So now I don't know if you've looked at the, the 40K stuff maybe as much as I have. Um, so say, have you looked at the cost that they're saying? How much? 500 to to 1000 for a tournament pack. Whoa. Okay, so I fi- 
<laughs> what? That's news to me. Yeah. So what they're talking about is this this tank based campaign, um, and it's a three month organized play campaign, and it comes with a bunch of tokens and prize support and this kind of stuff. And the the post on Spiky Bits was that it's between these these packages are going to be between five hundred thousand bucks, and I have no idea whether or not that's you know going to be the case in actuality. But if that's what happens. None of your local tournament organizers will be purchasing one of these things, huh? Because that's that's borderline army territory. Like you could either buy a organized play pack or a whole new army. Well, the reason why it was so successful for the companies that do run these formats is they were typically hundred bucks or less. Yeah, yeah, and you get Most a couple a couple trophies, this kind of thing. So if you get ten players at twenty bucks a pop. You've got another hundred bucks for further prize support or venue costs yeah. or whatever else you're doing. And I can't imagine because the little pictures they released of all these little like cardboard cutout tokens and shit like that. I don't know where they're getting five hundred to a thousand bucks from. So I'm kind of surprised that that would be the cost. Like it would have to come with a, a few miniatures or some crazy trophies in my mind. But uh, the thing that I think would happen if they did this is it would be a lot like the GW campaign books, where some people would buy them because they thought they were really cool. But generally, the average player does not have them. And that's something that I've kind of always been surprised that GW, the corporation, hasn't done, is a tournament play book. Like, all they would need to do to have the codex that everyone would buy would be the tournament codex. Like, here's how you play organized play. It's basically the steamroller package. Except they produce it, they make it a hardcover, they make it look nice, give it some artwork, bam, there you go. That is a consistent seller they could produce and would make way more money than one of these organized players. And they could release a new one every year. And I, I've not—I've actually legitimately been surprised that they haven't done something like this. Yeah. Because they could deal with their fac in there. They could—they could hit a lot of things, you know, out of the park that people complain about, and make money on it. Yeah. So, and kind of finishing the point I was getting at is, assuming they did do a tournament pack. Yeah. In this context, um, there's really two outcomes: either. No one's going to use it because everyone's already got their format that they use, yeah. especially when you look at 40K North America, because I can't necessarily attest to the rest of the world as much. But we've got ITC, which is great. And it's already a global ranking system that everyone is enjoying and using and partaking yeah. in. Um, so either no one's going to use the new one, or you're going to find some people that are those diehard Games Workshop fans that want to use that format. And let's hypothetically say they do actually have an accessible kit that's not five hundred to a thousand fucking dollars. Yeah, I hope for that's a goddamn. Tournament. I hope that's a bad rumor. Um, <laughs> then you might actually see a divide in the community, and you'll have potentially fewer players that are doing the ITC stuff. Yeah, and I think that would be a huge travesty. But at the end of the day, if GW isn't running events, if they're relying on stores and individuals to run events you're still going to see the ITC. Because the ITC runs the Barry Open and Las Vegas Open, you're still going to see the European Team Championships because people want to go and compete as a team internationally. So those formats will survive because, well, we're watching hockey right now. Hockey has a Stanley Cup. It's the the trophy that people compete for. It's that premier event. Yeah, there's prestige associated with it. Yeah, they're willing to spend the money to get good at that format. Um, I think that would be the same with, with the ITC and ETC. I think they'll still survive. Provided GW doesn't start running their own events, I, I just don't see them dying. No, true, and it's. But I don't even see them running their own events because of like their format, which they were switching over to their stores. Right? You don't. They don't see, have the staff for that. Anymore. You don't see multiple no. man stores usually, right? So I mean, like Edmonton is crazy that we have two of them. 
Yeah, but how are you going to get the staff in a region to run that event? You can't, right? Yeah. So it's still going to come down to individuals, but it's whether it's going to be like buy our tournament package because you're a tournament organizer and spend lots of money on it, and then hopefully people will play this format, or something that's tried and tested, such as the ITC or the... Yeah, and the idea of this, like, again, 500 bucks, three-month campaign organized play is weird. It's tough to get people out for, out for, out for a, for a one-day event locally. It depends, though, if it's, like, like, three different episodes once each month, or are you playing multiple weekends in a single month? I don't know. Well, and right? the way that Privateer Press does it that works quite well is it's a monthly one. You've got four meetings. It'll be every Thursday for a month. Mm-hmm. And like Scars of Saiyan or whatever the the latest one was, and they've just got the little the badges you can put on your bags, yeah. and that kind of thing. And then there's a gap for a few months, and then yeah, and then you do another one. one. So, but it's affordable kits that anyone in any size meta could use. Because a kit like that would be a hundred bucks or something like that, right? So I mean, you get like a bunch yeah. of patches, you get a pin for the overall or a bad or um, it depends on what it token. is. Sometimes there's yeah. more badges or coins or. Whatever, but they're just kind of these little, effectively novel tokens. Mm. Trinkets. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like markings <laughs> that you took part in this campaign, right? So Yeah, pretty much. So I actually, again, I think this this isn't the sky is falling. I find this just an odd move for, for a company that's clearly trying to get back to the roots and, like, the community and, and interface with the community. I feel like doing this organized play is really not looking at the community because... Even if they're in England, isolated from the ITC, they have the ETC very, very close, and there's a lot of players that compete in that. Yeah, and I don't think this is a sky's falling scenario. I just, I feel that this is another one of those things where every time I hear about an idea from Games Workshop, and I hate being, like, overly negative, but they just always kind of just miss the point. Yeah, this one's a little off mark, but again, you know what, their their new CEO, I, I have to say he's done a lot of really good stuff, like sales, getting, uh cheap kits into Walmart and that kind of thing, doing these board games that you can bring the models into 40K that are standalone, that can hook a person on just the board game aspect, but veterans have a use for the models too. Yep. Uh, getting the lines of communications back open, Actually, not increasing prices and in certain things. And the new new age of Sigmar kits that you can buy for 100 bucks are like a hell of a deal compared to the normal prices too. Yeah. Because they're what, the one you get the... Six, uh, six cold one riders, ten or fifteen starting army, and package. you get the big dinosaur, and it's a hundred bucks. Where if you bought that dinosaur by itself before, it was eighty. So I mean, for twenty yeah. bucks, you're getting six cavalry and fifteen or oh 20 yeah, guys. and they're, they're doing they're a lot of great things. Saving you clicks, yeah, they're actually saving you legit, legit money. money. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I hear you, Mike. And that's why I was wanting to be so positive about the the communication with the community via social media because yeah. I am very happy with a lot of things they're doing. It's just with the organized play, I'm just kind of curious as to how it's going to play out. And I guess really we just kind of can wait and see. Yeah. I hope it's good because if it's, if it's good in a separate format where I can play with my tanks because it seems to be a tank-based campaign and maybe it's actually really worthwhile and it gets me into a GW for some weird reason, uh, that's, that's good. Or if it's a cool and unique way to play with your toys... Yeah. You know, because for me, I don't play competitive 40k anymore, because it's just not my thing. Yeah, that's fair. But it doesn't mean I don't like the universe of the models. Yeah. So maybe if it was a smaller scale kind of campaign thing, I might try it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. I think I think it's a good idea. I'm I'm just, 
again, they have these these media pages that they can communicate with the with the fans a little bit more. And this feels like they just right now, and we're jumping, we're entirely jumping to it's conclusions. all speculation. Uh, but we've got the like, mat in front of us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They 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 just missed the point a little bit. I think. Right now, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see, and hopefully it doesn't cost $500 to try it out. Yeah, again, going on rumors, I mean, I won't purchase one ever for 500 to to 1000 bucks. There's zero chance. Like, <laughs> would anybody here buy that over... Steve, if you won't buy the 40K thing in this room, Nobody's literally no yeah. one else here like, will. You could buy five As Primarchs I'd have or to that. see what's in... A kit such as that for potentially if, for onslaught or if, something. Yeah, if I was. How how the fuck could you justify an additional five hundred to a thousand dollars just for forty k? It ha- it have to be pretty spectacular because it mean, would like, have to be amazing. It would I have mean, to like, be all your trophies. Like, it would yeah, have to have at least three be, pots of retributor armor in it to make it worthwhile. <laughs> it would have to gold. be all of your trophies I mean, like, and swag for forty players to be worth that kind of money. Because yeah. I've because I've bought an, um the infinity one and that was about 100 canadian um and that was like yeah extra buttons for people swag there was like a limited artwork. model artwork yeah so there was there was a decent amount and of how stuff, much of so. the fantasy flight ones uh 65 yeah, somewhere they're there. small their organized play like seasonal packs are relatively inexpensive i think their store championship and regional championship ones which Obviously, are once per year. They're a little bit more money. They have more content in them, or sorry, yeah, they're. I think those ones might be more like a hundred bucks for retailers, but those aren't available to the general public. Like mm-hmm. only their approved stores get them. So yeah. yeah. Anyways, I'm excited to see what happens. I really am looking forward to the 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 fact from community questions because that's going to be really cool. I mean, if they can take the ITC fact and actually give us a legit formal answer. Like to a lot of these questions that the community's ruled on, that would be kind of the be all end all. And a lot of these questions that are kind of you know vexing, like oh the ITC rules it this way, but I'm gonna play it rules as written, and that's complete bullshit, you know. So I'd like to see a formal answer where nobody can argue it anymore, which is really cool. And I'm predicting right now you will never see that formal answer. <laughs> I hope I hope I hope you're. Wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong because it would yeah. be fantastic for the game and for the community. Exactly. Yeah. And apparently, there's literally thousands of questions on those comment threads yes. on the Facebook pages, so it might take a while for version one to come out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So I guess that can kind of wrap up our third period. Uh, Ward, what do we have for upcoming events? Uh, coming up, starting he has many. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I've and I've added more since I emailed it out to you guys. Um, <laughs> so starting in March, uh, this Saturday, if, which you probably uh, won't hear, you in probably time for. won't hear in time for. We'll mention it anyway. Still, uh, Cogs has a steamroller going on at the Century Box down in Calgary. It's a fifty-point steamroller. Uh, the same day, March twenty-sixth, up here in Edmonton, there is the Drop Zone Escalation League at All Star. Twelve hundred and fifty points for the second last week here. Uh, you said that they're introducing command cards yes. and commanders for this mm-hmm. for this upcoming week. Cool. Uh, then in a- deal. April, April first to third is GrotzCon in Red Deer, multiple game systems. So Infinity, I know, is still looking for some players. Is forty k sold out? Forty k is. Filling up quick, I know. I think it's pretty close to sold out. I know that Ian's been on my case to... Because to last I heard, they were around 40 players. 40 yeah. players is their max. Yeah. So, and, and I think I they're, they're, they're well into the 30s. 
So, so <laughs> sign up hopefully sooner than you'd hear this on the podcast. The week from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, then uh, the GWNG is hosting their uh, monthly brawl on April 16th uh, here at Edmonton. Uh, 1,850 points, so ITC size, no painting requirements, so good for new players coming out. They're trying to encourage like new guys to come out, try the games, it's try not the even, tournament format. That's part of it, but the other thing that's nice about it too is that for the veteran players, I know for myself, you can bring something that you normally wouldn't play at a big event, try something new, see how it works. Uh, and it's not a, a full-on, it's not geared to be a full-on competitive curb stomp event. Like, it, go and have fun. It's more creative feedback, too, yep. right? So yep. talking about, like, list building. And, and definitely like good for, for new players. I was at one. They're, they're awesome. Uh, same day, April, tw- April 16th. Uh, drops on Escalation League at All-Star again. 1,500 points. Final week that for finals. That. Yeah. Do you so have the Malifaux tournament that day as well? It's the next thing, Tom. Just, just yeah. wait. God. Yeah, Malifaux isn't the God. most important thing. I didn't okay? want you to go on to like April 17th and miss this one. <laughs> the last event that I have for April is again on April 16th. It's the Malifaux Easter. Uh, it's at Game Quest up in Prince George. 50 point Soulstone event. Uh, fixed faction. Pretty standard. Going yeah, pretty standard. I agree. Yeah. And there's going to be a handful of us from Edmonton going. There's three spots left right now. And that is a hard cap. What is it capping at? 16, 18, 20, I think it's capping it's at 20. 20? Nice. That'll be good, though. They should cap it at a weird number. like Preferably seven. an odd number. Yeah, something that makes no sense. <laughs> like a prime number? 23. Prime. 7. 17. 17. Cap it at 17. I like that. <laughs> weird. Uh, as a tournament organizer, that would drive me up the wall if it was weird. Oh, but would it be weird? It would be weird. It would be weird. Uh, May 7th is also a very busy day uh, in uh, Alberta. So May 7th hosts May Day at the river, in Riverbend in Edmonton. Multiple game systems, lots of fantasy and historical Well, Kings of War games. is going to be there for sure. Kings of War they're hosting, okay. So is Drop Zone. It's going to yeah. be 1,500-point Kings of War. 1,500-point Drop Zone. Take no, that. that's easy. Whoa. 1,500 point X-Wing. Maybe Dear not. God. <laughs> that would be I, actually I, hilarious. I am making things up. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> that would be hilarious if it was 1,540K. Look the assault on the Death Star. Star. Yep, pretty much. That'd be, that'd be interesting. Actually, no. F- assault on the Death Star, Warden and I did with the 12 X-Wings. And, which, granted, wasn't points? the entire thing, but that, 300 was, points. that was 300 points, 300 points for a dozen X-Wings. I'm talking about the entire thing. We should thing. do that again. The first Death Star, there was... Oh, we, should, we could get into it, but... There wasn't that many ships. I'm the second one where they got all the, okay, the Y-Wings and stuff in there, too. Okay. We don't have Super Star Destroyers yet in X-Wings, so we can't do that. No, you do that part. Ne- never mind. We're totally off anyway, track. Okay, May 7th, <laughs> continuing on. Uh, there's the Calgary uh, X-Wing Regionals. Uh, it's going to... Century Box is hosting it, but will not be at Century Box. They're looking at an outside venue, which is to be determined still. Uh, there's also the GDX Yes, GDX, so the Hobby Night in Canada booth has been paid for and everything, so we are going to be, uh, looks like for sure it's going to be Tom and myself, and hopefully we'll drag some of you other guys out as well for that weekend, if we can drag Ward away from Star Wars. But I already booked a booth, so I have to go, I have to skip out on the originals. Yeah, and I'm going as well, and we are, um, did we talk about this last time at all? I don't no, know. Briefly. We can leave it for next show, but I, I will not fly back from Italy. Sorry, guys. No, no. Well, I, I'd like to introduce <laughs> a little important. bit, like, briefly what we're going to be doing. <laughs> okay. Um, we are going to be set up there uh, just kind of promoting the hobby. Um, we know that the podcasting 
format is not ideal when it comes to actually showing you how to do any kind of tips and tricks that we talk about. So we were going to have a bunch of different uh, models and various stages of completion set up where we'll be able to do kind of five to 20 minute uh, painting tutorials or technique tutorials to show you how to do some of the stuff that we've talked about on the podcast. Yeah, so it could be like um, a fantasy model that's like got the armor plates all blocked out in metal and washed so that you can just come and play with some weathering pigments and the metal's already done and dry ahead of time. Um, Stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Various weathering techniques or maybe showing how we do some of the blends that we use on our models. Yep, I like that. So yeah, it should be good. It should be a little bit different. Something that, uh, yeah, you can't you interact like with that. I will indeed. Well, maybe we could Skype Steve in or something. I, I would, actually. On your cell phone. I would, I would totally uh, Skype in for a session. That would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be pretty <laughs> awesome. Uh, but we will also have our dice for sale at the event and potentially some other swag, which I think you're going to be excited, Dan. I've got something cool to show you. Ooh. Is it in your pants? Uh, well, it's on my phone in my pants. That's close, close enough, enough for me. <laughs> uh, and we'll tell you guys about that stuff next episode. Uh, moving on to the next event. Uh, May still, uh, we're May 14th is the For the Children tournament down in Calgary. Uh, again, multiple systems. X-Wing, I know. 40K. 30K, I believe, is also on the docket. Yeah, I think Justin wants to run a 30K event, too. Probably uh, War Machine Sigmar. again? Age of Sigmar and War Machine, I believe. Are we going again, War- or Steve? Uh, May 14th, no. Are you Italy? Are you in Italy? They're two weeks. Skype it in there. I can Skype in my games, except no, I can't. <laughs> okay, well, potentially I'm going to drag one of the other guys to go because it's a great event and it's a great cause. <coughs> I will give you money to take down again for me because I know that I work that weekend. So. What are you going to be for? Come yeah. on, guys. <laughs> you guys should go. It's a lot of fun. Uh, May 19th to 22nd, the Lords of the Land in Olds. Lots of video games, some magic. Lots of really good internet. The best of the internet. So many megabits. <laughs> <laughs> Loving it. Uh, and then rounding off the end of May, May 28th, uh, X-Wing Regional event at Dragon's Den in Saskatoon. And that is the end of May. So that's where we'll leave that one. Yeah. Cool. Oh, no. What's going to happen in June? Oh, I've got a few don't, 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 don't. I can see the list in front of me. We, we could be here for yeah, a while. I know. I know. Stop. I'm trying to keep the list going so I don't miss anything. So That's again, good. if you have any events that you want us to promote, just any Battletech tournaments, any Battletech, let us know. Dan, don't look at me right now. You're looking at me like stone faced, <laughs> like serious. Because I just want to punch you. Because you said you'd go to one. If someone will run it, Steve will go. Oh, oh you did. You did. Oh, really did. We've got it recorded. It's on. Well, it's, it's evidence. I would actually play in that for sure. But I would be that guy that gets kicked out. I would. I would hope that they plan it for May. Seventh, because then he has to come back. No, I can't do that. That's impossible. (laughs) Okay. No, but but I would be that guy that did the photo essay of butt cracks at Magic. I'd be the guy pointing out the weirdness of Battletech and get kicked out forever. Not really, because it would be the four of us. And then you, <laughs> and then I, the, the, the TO, like really. I'm prepared for your shenanigans. Run us a Battletech tournament. Yeah, Ward, you should run a Battletech tournament yeah. on Onslaught. Oh. We've already suggested it. We've been over this, but yeah. you should do it. Anyway, All right. I think we're digressing pretty hard again. Absolutely. Let's wrap this episode up right now. This has been another episode of Hobby Nate in Canada. I'm Tom. I'm Dan. I'm Ward. And Mike. And I'm Steve. Paint your fucking models and have some fun. As long as they ain't Battletech. Fuck you. They have, especially when they're Battletech. <laughs>
So I learned my lesson the hard way. Do you guys know the image that goes around online every once in a while of the celery stalk, like, toothbrushing out the guy's anus? <laughs> I'm talking about how celery is, like, the, it, fuck? the toothbrush for your colon. Actually, it, Tom, we've... I've not seen this, and that's shocking to me. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, I'm gonna, no, 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 let me finish. I'm going to say that we visit different pages, Tom. 